Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show. And guess what? We have live Vikings football to talk about. Training camp practices are underway, and we already have some early first impressions, including a couple standouts, some frustrating developments, and a really questionable move by the coaching staff in front office. Plus, we're going to give our early returns on Mr. Mankato. Welcome to a football-centric episode of The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Writer at NBC Sports Edge, contributor at USA Today's Vikings Wire, Sports Illustrated's All Seahawks, and founder of Substack Run and Shooter, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Real Forno Show. My name is Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, boom! Producer Dave in the beautiful slumbers of Austin, Texas. Dave, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good today. It's been a good Monday. Yeah, it has been a great Monday for me, too, as it today has been my first ever day as a full-time sports writer. It was glorious. I sat in this chair all day, and I ended up uh, working on multiple, multiple things. And we're going to kind of start talking about them because I wrote a, a story quick for the Vikings Wire this weekend, Dave. It really... That's really USA Today's Vikings Wire. You're gosh darn right, the USA Today's Vikings Wire. And I was really startled um, by this development. Uh, the coaching staff in front office had posted on the video board and I'm gonna pull it up and read it verbatim Dave because I'm not gonna lie I was really really surprised by this and quite frankly it was very disappointing um a tweet from a good friend of the show Judd Zolgad the reader board said Vikings fans please help our team not the opponents and refrain from taking videos of practice that one yes that one let's Let's dive into that, Dave, because this is incredibly frustrating and, quite frankly, dumb. All right? It's training camp. Everybody works on stuff during training camp. Just because you work on it during camp doesn't mean you're necessarily going to use it. Now, most likely you are. But it's not like the Vikings are all of a sudden trying to run, like, um, the triple option or a double reverse pass or like a couple double passes. They're not trying to do those things. We're talking about basic schematic stuff that literally anybody can go and watch any Los Angeles Rams 2021 film, and you're going to be able to find those exact plays. The world isn't dumb. Honestly, all this does is hinder the fan base. 
it prevents hope. It prevents excitement. And these training camp uh, leaks, these home videos done by fans and media, fan, like people love that. And it gets them excited for the season. It shows, hey, Andrew Booth Jr. is kicking the living crap out of Amir Smith-Marset and getting in his face and being physical and then talking about it. And like, you're taking away an element of being a fan. And we're not talking about top secret stuff here. We're not talking about like last year, Urban Meyer was coming into the NFL from the college ranks. Nobody really knew what his offense was going to look like. Obviously, we know he flamed out. Um, and we know the issues with Urban Meyer. But the general construct is there. He had a college-style offense that we didn't know how he was going to adapt it to the National Football League. Now, over the course of his time at both Utah, Florida, and Ohio State, it evolved into more pro-style concepts, especially as you uh, throw the ball down the field. But nobody truly knew how he was going to adapt it to the NFL game. And I can understand, hey, I don't want film being taken because I still have secrets. Nobody really knows what I'm going to do, and I would like to hear, like, not show anything until we really get to weeks one, two, and three so we can have a little bit of element of surprise. Kevin O'Connell came from the Super Bowl champs. Nobody is going to be questioning what he's going to be calling. You're going to see a lot of those backside digs that Cooper Cup got. You're going to see a lot of choice routes. You're going to see a lot of why sale. It's the same. Oh, no. You froze. Yes. What? You froze there there momentarily. Uh, You know what? That was a beautiful, beautiful image. But it's just (laughs) inherently frustrating, Dave, because we're not talking about reinventing the wheel here. We are talking about a coach that already has a built-in scheme that has helped build a Super Bowl winner. And he's just bringing it to a new team. Like, lighten up, guys. Let the fans have fun. Let them enjoy football. Let them enjoy these camp clips because these camp clips bring excitement. You know what brings ex- what excitement brings, Dave? Money. Ticket sales. Merch sales. That's what this kind of stuff does. And when you take it away, you are really hindering your potential financial output. This is a business after all. Yes, you want to win a Super Bowl. Yes, you want to be competitive every year. But at the end of the day, the Wolves are here to make money. And this is a hindrance at making money. It's honestly annoying. And I know, Dave, you have something to say, but I had to get all that off my chest and I did not want to stop the conversation. Please, I would love to hear your opinion on this. Well, this isn't the military. They're not training out in the back 40 on some military base where they have to keep it, you know, top secret classified what they're doing. This is training camp football. You're installing the basics. And every team knows what you're going to do. Just because we have a new regime, they know. All they got to do is look at the Rams for the last two years, and they know exactly what it is. This is nothing new to the Green Bay Packers, Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, or anybody else we play this season. It's not harming anybody. Whether Kevin O'Connell was a little oversensitive and was trying to build up, hey, guys, it's our team. We've got to keep this quiet sort of deal. That may be one aspect of it, trying to get the fans to come on his side. 
But really, I think it's more out of the promotions department of the Vikings. They have now caused a mini controversy about this. And they have piqued a whole lot of people's interest. Because what do you mean we can't film? It's a free country. I pay the ticket to come in and sit on the bleachers. I'm going to hold my phone up and film whatever I want to. Right? And it may be... We talk about marketing. You talked about marketing on how you want to get interest going and excitement so people can buy things, more memorabilia, jerseys, uh, $10 sodas or whatever they run there. This may be just a hook, a diversionary hook to, hey, don't look here. No, you can't look here, right? And inviting everybody, come over here and look. We need more people to see. Come on. And it may be one of those things. Because really, when some when a team's putting in their game plan for the upcoming week, they do that in private, right? You We see during a normal, regular season, yes, the reporters can come and watch the first half hour of a practice during a regular week. And then they're told to go away. Why are they told to go away? Because what comes next is the installing of the game plan, the the secret sauce, X's and O's, right? It's not the general, hey, let's do warm-ups, let's throw, you know, go through pass routes and stuff like that. Everybody has that. And everybody knows the way the new regime is going to go. They know what... uh O'Connell's going to do, and they know what the defense is going to do. So I think it's just a hook. I think it's literally a hook to excite the fan base even more. That was my take on the whole deal. Yeah. Give the fans something. You know, if if you're not going to let fans do it, which, let's be honest, it didn't freaking work anyways, like, there were clips going out from fans and media nonstop. So, and apparently, uh, I heard from a little birdie that they had people watching the crowd to make sure that that wasn't happening. Didn't work. Uh, there were a couple accounts that had a bunch of clips up that ended mm-hmm. up deleting them. So that is something to at least be mindful of. Well, Come then on. they might they can play the copyright thing, <laughs> play that card. You you can you can play um, the copyright thing. That's a hundred percent fair. But come on, mm-hmm. come on! You're promoting. They're promoting your team for literally free. And this mm-hmm. is something that we deal with in the wrestling world, where uh, people will make a gift of your product, and it's just like a little ten second gift. The Twitter account does not monetize off it in any way gets reported counts get shut down they're promoting your product hey this cool thing happened on your show this cool thing happened on your show and we want people to be able to see it and we're going to direct it right to you i'll shut it down like and uh jonas uh said something as if opponents need those clips he's right they don't just go watch 2021 rams film it's not hard let fans have fun give fans hope let them get excited about what this team could be because we talked about it ad nauseum over the offseason. This could be a very good football team. 
at the other end of the spectrum, it could be a catastrophic failure. We genuinely don't know. But right now, this is hope season. We want to see how players perform. We want to see how they've grown and developed. And right now, we have hope on a lot of guys. Let fans increase that hope and spread it throughout Twitter and social media. Because if that hope keeps increasing, guess what? So do the pocketbooks of the Minnesota Vikings. It is a very symbiotic relationship, and we need to continue that instead of hindering it. At the very least, you're not going to let people film. Throw clips up every 10 minutes on your social media. Get fans excited and hyped. It's not that hard. I, I, I really shouldn't have to be ranting about this because it's so damn simple, Dave. But at the end of the day, the Vikings are choosing a method to really hinder the fans from enjoying training camp and enjoying the things that are. Not everybody can make it to TCO. Now that I've started my new job, I'm going to have a tough time making it to TCO when I had initially planned to go to a bunch of practices. And yet here we are. We're having this conversation that's so incredibly stupid. And I really hope they figure it out moving forward because it's it's good for the fans. And that's what it's there for. You want to find out that Kevin O'Connell Athens, just go watch Cooper Cup. Mm-hmm. End of rant. Yep. But, like I said, it could be a copyright thing. NFL loves to lock down all their stuff. Yeah, well, if it was a copyright thing, they would have said it on the video board, Dave. It wasn't a copyright thing. They probably played the copyright thing afterwards, but if you really come off as a big dick if you say, hey, copyright. Everybody takes film in the stands. Nobody cares. But that's on national television. They only care when it hurts them. And that's what's inherently frustrating. But we're going to move on because I could spend an entire <laughs> night ranting about stupid stuff. We're going to talk about good stuff, Dave. Players were in pads for the first time this weekend. Yes, they and were. Let me tell you, there were some positives. Dave, I'm going to give you some time to do it because you were showing me some tweets uh, that uh, got really excited. I'm going to give you some time to pull that up. And I want to talk initially about Andrew Booth Jr. Continues to get raving reviews from everybody who's attending practices. He was in Amir Smith-Marset's face saying, basically, don't come at me. He has been, he's made interceptions, including one covering Justin Jefferson. Now, we don't necessarily know how quality the throw was because there's been arguments, oh, Kirk just... Um, airmailed that one like a duck. And then there's been ones, oh, he was trying to lead Jefferson inside, and there was just miscommunication. At the end of the day, he still got an interception covering one of the league's top five receivers and got it off Kirk Cousins, who does not throw many of them. Booth Jr. continues to be showing out, and it, it really needs to be talked about that he is fully healed because he played pretty much the entirety of his career at Clemson with a sports hernia injury. When you play with a sports hernia injury, it hinders a lot of what you do because so much of your ability to move laterally, flip your hips, comes from your core. The jumping, you even use a decent amount of your core. If you have a hindrance there, you're not going to be able to maximize your explosive output. The fact that Boot Jr. is now healthy and the knee issue that uh, was noted from college where he had that patella issue that was fixed, that seems to be behind him as well. We could be looking at a star cornerback that we got an inherent value because he didn't test. If he tested, that man probably goes top 15. And we've talked about it. And I know um, Nick Olson uh, from Kindred Skulls, he's talked about it a lot. Him and his co-host Matt Freeze, which if you love nitty, nitty, gritty stuff, 
They are phenomenal ones. Please go like and subscribe to their show. You can, I, I believe you can find it on their feed as well, right, Dave? You can find it under Climbing a Pocket at this moment. Uh, looks like they may be joining Climbing a Pocket slash Daily Norseman's video Good, live show feed, too. Ooh, I like that because these two are the first are... to hear that. Hey, I like that. Was that was a secret. <laughs> They are. That was what you alluded to me last week. Um, they are two of the best, and they are two of the best humans as well. So yes. you're going to want to make sure you check those guys out. And if Tuesdays do come to fruition, that's going to be a must-watch, and it will be a must-watch for me. So, Dave, do you have those Thursday tweets ready nights. to roll? Do I have Thursday, those tweets? No. I mean, I have, my, I have them in front of me. I don't have them in. Uh, I don't think I can throw them up here. Okay. Well, Eric, why don't you just read them off one by one, Dave, and let's talk about them because I think this is all really good stuff that we should be having a discussion on as training camp continues to progress. All right. The tweets I sent to Tyler earlier were from Vikes Insider, the account. He has done some reporting, including on, uh, trying to remember what it was, NFL Network, I believe. He's, he's legit. First one, left tackle Christian Derisaw has clearly taken a big time, taken a big time step this offseason. He stood his ground against Daniil Hunter today. Good for Christian Derisaw. We want a left tackle, and if he could do it, stand his ground against somebody as good as Daniil Hunter, Daniil, the man that came out this week and said he wants to break Jared Allen's single season record and oh man I hope he does that's something I love to hear that that is something um and also if, here let, let's break this down real quick Dave because okay. I, I think each one of these talking points deserves some time if you remember uh, watching our NFL draft coverage and following along with my scouting reports last year you know I love Christian Derisaw and I had him as my 13th ranked prospect in the 2021 draft class. I loved his ability to be physical. He was a, a little passive in the, the passing game, but he had the ability to put his foot in the ground, anchor, and prevent you from really moving him. That thick lower half, plus his ability to be an agile athlete, which is was underrated. And he, along with Andrew Booth Jr., did not test because of a core muscle injury. Mm-hmm. So that was it enabled the Vikings to really get him at a value. And value is wonderful when you're talking about the first round because when you pick a 23 and you get those third-round picks, you have to be able to still hit because going from 14 to 23 is a big Mm -hmm. drop-off. The fact that the Vikings may have really good starting bookend tackles for the first time, arguably since Todd Stussy and Corey Stringer, because even though... McKinney and Lodeholt were good. There were always so many issues with them in pass protection because they were just mammoth men. Mm-hmm. And mammoth men struggle in pass protection because they can get beat with quickness. They can get beat with smaller guys because Brian McKinney and Phil Lodeholt are both over 6'7". Just large they were, human they beings. They were mountains of men. Mountains. Hey, I'm 6'6", 300, and they would make me feel and look small. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. When you were a large Nordic Viking like me, I mean, hell, look at the flow. 
<laughs> Drew, that was for you. Uh, all right, Dave. Uh, it feels good to finally have the tackle position. I know you have another one about the tackles that I really think uh, needs to be. Well, the uh, other mentioned. one about the tackles, on the opposite side, Brian O'Neill, who we know is a good and probably one of the best, definitely top five right tackles in the NFL. Report is Zadarius Smith has been dominant, beating Pro Bowl right tackle Brian O'Neill on multiple multiple times during one-on-one drills. Yeah, I'm not worried about it, and here's why. Zadarius Smith is fresh. He is, does not have a lot of tread on the tires, at least can, when you consider the last two seasons, because he has had those injuries. It's also one of the reasons the Vikings were able to sign him. It's such a deal. And he's really getting his wheels back underneath him. O'Neal's going to be fine. I'm oh, not yeah. I'm not worried about that slightest. one either. I love that uh, yeah. Darius Smith is that good at his age right now coming in. Imagine Darius Smith doing that and Daniil Hunter. We know what he can do and have those two guys together. Oh, my God. Quarterbacks are going to have fits. Offensive coordinators for the opposing team are going to have nightmares trying to figure out how they're going to block these guys. And I love it. They're going to have a lot of nightmares. And especially with how Ed Donatello is projected to use these guys inside and out and really be flexible and create mismatches. Because mismatches is one of the reasons why the Vikings offensive line has had as many struggles as they've had. Uh, Remember that. 2019 game at the Metrodome, day before Christmas Eve. Zedaria Smith lined up almost exclusively on the inside and terrorized Kirk Cousins for over three sacks mm. and really prevented that offense from doing anything outside of that Stephon Diggs touchdown, which, in all honesty, was because of a turnover. And Let's talk that's going to happen inside. with the Vikings. In one-on-one drills, it was reported, Ed Ingram is impressing Putting people on the ground, he legit has a chance now to overtake Jesse Davis for the starting right guard job. Right now, I think Jesse Davis has it locked up. Uh, What I heard from Matthew Collar today is that one of the coaches said that Ed Ingram still has some technique issues to work on, which he does, right? He's a rookie. But if on one-on-one drills, and there were Talking ones versus the ones. It may be just the two of them going at it. And he's putting grown men, Armand Watts, uh, Tomlinson, somebody like that on the ground. Sorry, that's a quick way to move up the depth chart. That is impressive. That is very impressive. Uh, Purple Hayes, I don't see Ezra being challenged on the left side. So Mm -hmm. that's just me. Also on news about the inside, the positive part of this report is defensive tackle Harrison, horrible Harry, Phillips, got the best of center Garrett Bradbury today. He just overpowered him and put him on his backside numerous times. Now, What's great is horrible Harry. That's going to be great to see. 
watching opposing centers get dumped on their butts, right, and holding that center. What a big heavy sigh for me came is, come on, Bradbury, you supposedly put on weight. You supposedly worked on it a little bit. We don't want to see this. And hopefully the only time we see it now is against Phillips. But that's an update on your O-line and defensive line. Let's talk about Bradbury for a minute because I'll be honest, I'm not worried. And here's why I'm not worried per se. I'm not worried more than what I already was. We already knew that Garrett Bradbury couldn't handle one-on-one drills. It's it's not so much about him handling these one-on-one drills. How is Kevin O'Connell going to eliminate the need for those one-on-ones? Because that's something that the old Vikings regime could not do. And it's something that the Rams were able to do with some success for center Brian Allen, who has some of the same characteristics as Garrett Bradbury, not having a lot of sand in the pants, losing ground on anchors, and being forklifted. They were able to mask some of those Scheme issues and some maximize. Away. Yep. Yes. They, and they were able to maximize the positives. Mm-hmm. And I want to see how they implement him before I really make any final calls per se. Mm-hmm. He's going to get forklifted. That's just the way it is. It's we're three years into this thing, going into year four. That ain't changing. It's not going to be some uh, magic pill overnight where. All of a sudden, Garrett Bradbury wakes up with a can of Popeye spinach next to his bed and eats it. Then all of a sudden, he's got all the muscles and it's just, boom. Like, no, that's not how that works. He is what he is at this point. And because he is what he is, you have to be able to mask and scheme around it. The Rams did it. Can O'Connell do the same? Because he was in charge of game planning. That's something that needs to be taken into consideration. Play calling, he was not. Game planning, he was. And arguably... That's the most important part of this whole thing. Can he do that successfully and then make those critical in-game adjustments, which is something that offensive minds need to do? And how will Wes Phillips be able to help him in that? Those are things that I'm going to be keeping a stern eye on throughout the course of the season. Garrett Bradbury is what he is. He's booty. He doesn't have a good enough one to really anchor his feet into the ground. When it comes past to hit that spot run blocking. And getting to the second level. That's different, though, Dave, because you are the aggressor in run blocking. Yes, you are. You are not. You are not. in. You're initiating that contact. You are not absorbing that contact. That's why Garrett Bradbury is as good as he is, because he can use that, that speed and quickness and get momentum going forward so well that he can execute those reach blocks better than almost anybody in the National Football League. The problem is his pass blocking is so subpar in comparison that he makes himself a liability. And I don't know if he can really compensate for that. But we talked about your round bellies plenty long enough, Dave, and I know your your heart is full. Yes. Let's continue on with these other observations that Vikes Insider had because this, this list is comprehensive and it covers a lot of ground, and that's why we're hitting on them tonight. Well, the other ones that I did not mention on the three I sent you, there's more. Vikes Insider mm-hmm. did a good journal today. But one is wide receiver, wide receiver Tristan Jackson, right? I think he's in UDFA. Uh, watch to be the sleeper and possibly get the wide receiver five position. That's cool. Mm-hmm. If anything, you know, he may make the practice squad. Cool. It's good to know we got some young talent because we have a good stable of 
wide receivers. And there is some wide receiver news today, too. And then the last one of the ones I sent you is quarterback Kellen Mond took the majority of the second string starts today on the twos, whereas previously he had been swapping in and out with Mannion. So I'll say this about Tristan Jackson. He was an undrafted free agent out of Syracuse last year, signed as an undrafted free agent with the Los Angeles Rams, did not make the roster. Right after Kevin O'Connell was named the head coach, he did sign a futures deal with the Vikings, and that's why he's here. The fact that he's showing out in camp is always a good thing. You want to see guys that are fighting for those last roster spots to really show out and ball out. Because if you do that, that really helps the back end of your roster, and it helps some of those projections. And, hey, once injuries hit, can this guy step up? If he continues like this, this could be a guy that can step up in necessary situations because you're going to need five or six wide receivers, potentially seven if Dan Chisina is uh, kept as a special teams ace as he has been the past couple of seasons. Now, Kellen Mond, I wrote this up for the Vikings Wire as well. Um, and if you didn't know, it was USA Today, right, Dave? That's right, um, USA Today's Vikings Wire. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was splitting uh, reps with Kellen Mond, or sorry, with Sean Mannion. Mond getting reps now is important. One, his any development he could have had got hindered right away when he came out that, one, he didn't get vaccinated for COVID-19. I they don't know COVID. if that is – I don't know if that status has changed. Let, let's just be frank. I don't know, but I'm guessing because nobody's talked about it, it probably has. But he got COVID, and he lost 25 pounds. That destroyed any kind of momentum, any kind of real – progress that he could make because his body just was not in a position to be able to make those kind of strides. He's a third round pick. I hated the pick at the time. I still don't like the pick. I love the process of the pick. You had Davis Mills on the board and I thought Mills had a massive upside where Kellen Mond was kind of like this player all through college. It was like biking up a driveway with a shallow incline. You're not making much progress. It's I guess it's good, but you want a guy who's going to be able to make a lot of progress with what their athletic ability, their arm strength, and mentally. Mentally is where quarterbacks make the most progress because you learn so much. And you, after seeing stuff on film, talking and experience coaching, and Mond just was not able to really make any kind of marginal enough steps to warrant, in my opinion, a third-round selection. The talent, sure. But when you have a four-year track record starting in the SEC – it's not exactly what you would call a good thing to see that little improvement. Now, he does have now a strong the, arm, and that's one of the things he that does. the Vikings liked about him. He does have a strong arm, and the raw general traits, Dave, are good. I'm not going to sit here and argue his about size, that. His size, his speed, a, his ability to yep. run. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he can create outside of structure. The problem is inside his head and how he operates in the pocket is not good. It did not really improve at all from day one to day like what? It would be like 1,400. Like th- There wasn't any <laughs> good enough improvement. Um, and uh, Thaddeer kind of mentioned something. Pa- so did Paxton Lynch talking about the, like, the raw talent. Yeah. Can you develop it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do they show signs that you can develop it? Why did he not improve? Can you answer that question? 
Can you fix that answer? Those are all questions that you need to understand when you're selecting a quarterback. There are quarterbacks that have legitimate flaws. I remember when Drew Brees came out. Oh, he's too short. He's too short. He'll never be able to make it. Well, okay, he's too short. How does he compensate for that? You know what he did? He mastered the pocket, knew how to create his own throwing lanes, and it didn't matter. Sure, there Same was still some was said about general Russell limitations. Wilson. Yep, there, there are still limitations with those players, but they understand how to work around said limitations. And when you can work around the limitations, it makes a massive difference. So can Mon work? Can we work around Mon's limitations? I don't know. But the fact that he's getting most of the second team reps is a big step considering Sean Mannion is a clipboard holder. He's kept around because Kirk Cousins likes him and he's an extra quarterback coach in the room. If he's an extra quarterback coach, just hire him as an assistant or shove him on the practice squad and just be like, hey, your job is to hold a clipboard for Kirk Cousins. Okay. And Kellen Mond if necessary. Yeah, and that exactly. very well may be because you can put veterans mm-hmm. on the practice squad now. It's We'll have to see. And that, that may come down to – how many quarterbacks are they keeping on the active roster? One, two, or three? Or both Kellen Mond and Mannion may be let go and they bring in somebody else. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I know Matthew Collar was not impressed with Kellen Mond or Mannion, um, either one of them. So we'll see. Mond's the only one that has potential. Mannion doesn't have any potential. He is what he is. And that's not winning you any games if Kirk Cousins goes down. Hundred percent, and at least Mod has the athletic ability to at least grow and make things happen when things aren't happening. So that's a positive. We'll see if it ends up translating moving forward. Dave, let's hit a couple more, and then we're going to talk about Mister Mankato slash TCO Performance Center, or whatever they're calling it this year. Yeah. It's Mr. Mankato, and it'll never It should be Mr. Mankato, period. That's tradition. Mm -hmm. Who do you want to talk about? What else do we got? Well, Well, uh, um, You talked about Booth briefly at the very beginning. Yep. Andrew Booth Jr. has been a happy surprise for me coming into this camp. You talked about he, you know, up into the, the draft period, he didn't work out. Caddy injury. He all looks healthy now. Well, half the half the things necessary to play corner, he's got. And that's that little bit of crazy and dog mentality to play and be the best. He's sitting there jawing with Justin Jefferson on pass routes. He's jawing at BC Johnson and KJ Osborne. And stuff like that. And he's doing well. Question is, do you think he will do well enough to turn presumed starters right now, Patrick Peterson and Tiny Dantzler, who is having a great camp himself, into a rotational bit where you're seeing all three of them on the field? Or, you know, moving in and out? Take Patrick Peterson out. Hey, we're going to pull you out this series. In comes Booth. Do you mm-hmm. see that happening? Maybe. Um, 
I don't I don't know. This here's here's an interesting one. Because I don't know if Andrew Booth Jr. is gonna be able to take over for Patrick Peterson at this point. And one of the reasons why Patrick Peterson's he's gonna be going into his what? Twelfth year? Yeah, eleventh like, or twelfth, yeah. That, He's still young and he still has the athletic ability to be successful, but he needs to use his brain more than his athleticism. Yeah, and that's a massive thing when it comes to playing cornerback. And that's why he wanted to come play for Mike Zimmer. And then he ended up being like, you know what? I love this town. I love this team. I want to stay. And he ended up staying for less money. But when you have a guy who's that kind of stalwart at the position. Yeah, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you're not just gonna ups like take his spot when you're a second round rookie. It's not exactly that simple. So I don't think that we're gonna see a situation where Andrew Booth Jr. takes over for him unless Peterson all of a sudden really falls off a cliff. Because he's already started to decline. Like he's in his thirties. He's been in the league over ten years playing a volatile position that requires a lot of athleticism. That's fine. It's okay that he's declining. It's normal football stuff. But at the end of the day, you're asking a guy who's a brand new player to the NFL, a rookie that had his own injuries that he's healing from and wasn't able to really shine or participate at all during minicamp. That's a tough one. I don't think that Booth is going to overtake him. I will say I fully expect Booth and Dancer to be the starters come 2023. Now, speaking of... Cameron Dantzler, everything we're hearing is he's having a fantastic training camp so far, which is outstanding. And I think some of that has to do with that Donatel because what Donatel has preached, he wants his defense to be multiple yet simple, and he doesn't want players thinking. And we hear that all the time. Sometimes you hear it in the wrong sense. You hear defensive coordinators talk about, oh, we're struggling, so we need to dumb the defense down. No. You want your players to be smart and intelligent, and you want them to be fulfilled when it comes to information. You don't want to dumb it down. This defense is designed to be relatively simplistic for the defenders to understand, but still confusing for what offenses are seeing. And I think that Dancer was overthinking things a little too much last year, and I really think it was one of the reasons why Xavier Rhodes fell off a cliff. It wasn't athleticism. He was athletically fine. And when you think at all as a cornerback, unless post-snap that is, pre-snap, think all you want. Get yourself in a position to succeed. But if you have to think post-snap, that's when you get beat. That's that's when you were like, oh, is this a double move? And then all of a sudden they're behind you. It needs to become subconscious. Yes, subconscious is exactly the word we're looking for here, Dave. And you have to be able to figure that out. You have to be able to figure it out as a reaction. It has to be second nature for you. And it feels like with Cam Dancer, it's starting to become second nature. And that's when players get dangerous. Ed Donatel uh, compared Dancer to Patrick Sertan II. Said he's reminiscent of him, especially with his length. The really confusing part is when you look at the uh, measurables, his arms are nearly two inches shorter than Patrick Sertan's. <laughs> and it's not like we're talking about a guy who's got a massively wide chest. No, because thin. His nickname, Dave, is The Needle. Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah, probably not. 
Um, but to get praise compared to Patrick Sertan II, who had one of the best rookie corner seasons we've seen in recent memory, that's very high praise and something that really should be paid attention to moving forward because it's likely that Ed Donatel is going to be utilizing Dantzler in similar situations and be given opportunities to succeed and thrive in a very similar vein. Right, so there's one more for sure I want to talk about, Dave. Okay. And what, what were you going to say? Let's go talk about Troy Dye looking to lock down okay. the backup linebacker spot. Okay. Behind, Let's hear about him. Uh, Troy Dye is having a good cap so far, too. It looks like he is going to be the primary backup to Hicks and Kendricks. That's a good sign because mm-hmm. Dye going into his third year. There was a lot of talk before the 2020 draft that Troy Dye was going to be the player that was going to take over for Anthony Barr. Similar uh, length and size profile, um, good athlete, but he never really was able to put it together, Dave. And the fact that he's able to do so at this point is a great sign because he has the tools in order to get it done. He just needs to be able to put it all together. And I'm really glad to see that he's starting to do so. I think one of the middle linebacker spots is going to be a really nice place for him in this style of defense because he's going to be doing a lot more attacking downhill. And if he's, if you put him next to Kendricks and let Kendricks do a lot more of the coverage stuff, I think that you're going to see die thrive even more. So, and if you good on die for improving. And if the Vikings are only keeping four interior linebackers, now let's call them interior linebackers. You got Kendricks, Hicks, Azamoa, and Die would be that fourth one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then it, you, we still have to talk about Blake Lynch because Blake Lynch uh, really succeeded last year in that backup role and grew a lot. Ryan Connolly, torn ACL, he's coming off of that injury. He's going to be somebody to watch in, in the preseason as well. Will they keep a fifth? Big question. Um, the for, If I remember correctly, the Broncos last year did not keep a fifth linebacker. They only kept four. And if you translate what Ed Donatel was doing with Vic Fangio in Denver to here, four is probably the likely number. So that's going to be a fun battle to watch throughout camp. Especially when... There's been reports, and I'm sure fans filmed it, of Lewis Seen coming in as the third safety and dropping down into that more traditional coverage linebacker spot. Oh, yeah, we could have seen that coming a mile away. Yeah. Yeah, he is, and, and Cam Bynum can do that too. And the fact that the Vikings now have three safeties that you want on the field is a great thing to have in this hybrid style league where you see guys like Buda Baker. And then Isaiah Simmons was drafted in the top 10 to play a similar style role, to to be able to be that hybrid, a guy that can roam the entire field. Uh, Kyle Hamilton's probably going to be asked to do a lot of that similar thing where he's going to be able to play a deep third. And then he's going to be able to come into the box and be successful covering tight ends, running backs, blitz, pressure off the edge and do a lot of those same things. If you have guys that can do multiple things, it only helps your defense. Harrison Smith, phenomenal blitzer. Hey, oh, we can still run a two-deep shell because we have seen him by them. We're fine. Like This is a great um, problem to have. It's honestly a nice luxury 
And now Donatel's going to be able to do a lot of fun and unique things. And with the NFL changing how they're viewing that back seven and safeties uh, coming up and being like, you, you can be a 220-pound linebacker and be successful if you're a great athlete. This is the next step to the Vikings really being proactive in the evolution of the National Football League, and we should all be really excited about that. Mm-hmm. Purple Hayes commented uh, he wants to thank Quasi for getting the depth. Yes, we seem to have more depth this season than we have in the last couple, and I like it. More options, you know, whether we're talking about seeing coming in and playing basically a quasi-linebacker position or wherever it is, offensive line, defensive line, everywhere, wide receiver core, running backs, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And one thing that I want to talk about before we kind of move on to Mr. Mankato, uh, Dave, that wide receiver four spot, Samir Smith-Marset, according to Vikes Insider, has really started to lock down that position, which is something that we weren't necessarily seeing a week ago. We were seeing a lot of BC Johnson Mm -hmm. and how, and I had been told that Kirk was really campaigning for Johnson to be able to get that spot. But Amir Smith-Marset, as I would have projected out, looks likely to be that fourth wide receiver spot at this exact moment. That I, I, I'm happy for it. I, like I said, we've got a good wide receiver room, and there's a battle for that, you know, to make the roster. And it can only make us all better. And playing against talented defensive quarters makes the wide receivers better and vice versa. I'm happy. Now, the only quasi-bad news that came out of camp today was Irv Smith. Seemed to get a boo-boo, was taken off the field. He eventually came back on but did not participate um, with the primary, with the ones or the twos. He was off to the side. So... Hopefully it's nothing. Hopefully it's a little tweak. If you want to quote Coach Zimmer, and that he'll be back to normal tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, until we hear that it's more than any uh, something super minor, I'm not worried about it. Well, it's obviously got to be minor because he ran back onto the field. He did participate some, just not with uh, the regular ones, and then he sort of uh, you know, seven on seven, eleven on eleven drills. Mm-hmm. All right, Dave. Now time to move to the fun part of the show. Defined, Mister Mankato. How does somebody become Mister Mankato? Mister Mankato, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I may be slightly off. Mister um, Mankato is the best performer from a younger player that you weren't necessarily expecting to be great. Uh, guys like Adam Thielen have won this award. Adam Thielen uh, was the inaugural remember. winner of this award. Yep. I, I cannot remember who won last year. Um, but that it's guys who are like day three UDFAs, guys who have been on the back end of your roster and practice squad. Those are the players that win Mr. Mankato. Um, and when, when I kind of think about Mr. Mankato myself, Dave, one name comes to mind. 
one name comes to my mind. Well, I'm curious who yours is. It's Michigan State wide receiver Jalen Naylor for me. Ooh, and interesting. I, I've heard that he's really shown out during camp and has made some really nice catches, shown that he has the burners mm-hmm. to be that deep threat. And when you can make spectacular plays – and then maintain a level of consistency that's going to be an easy way for you to earn Mr. Mankato. Plus, with the depth of some of these receiver classes, we're getting really, really good players coming in the later rounds, more than we ever have before, just because the, the position itself, with the advent of seven-on-seven camps, is growing. And players are inherently getting better and better earlier and earlier. That's why you see Justin Jefferson's and Jamar Chase's thrive in, the wide receiver in their rooms. rookie years. Yes, I'm specifically talking the wide receiver realm. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver, cornerbacks, quarterbacks. Those are the three position groups that are really benefiting from these seven-on-seven seven camps. And as far as peaking high earlier, you're seeing that more from wide receivers than you are the other two positions. That's because inherently, wide receiver is the easiest of those three positions to translate to the NFL earlier. Right. Because you're basically like, hey, I just need to outrun and outgun you. I'm not worried about protections. I'm not worried about covering on the back end in zone or um, like matchup zones like that Nick Saban loves to run. Like I just need to go beat my guy and block my guy. That's basically a wide receiver if you want to really dumb it down. Mm-hmm. And I think Naylor's got an inside track to winning this award. Well, and um, this morning, special teams coach Daniels mentioned him by name for mm-hmm. the punt returning competition hey if you got the special teams coordinator calling you out as doing good in punt returning and if you can punt return because the vikings need one that helps your case to make the the roster to be if we keep six wide receivers to be wide receiver six Mm -hmm. absolutely uh is there a guy that you are looking at it as Mr. Mankato because I heard you mention it. It is quarterback Mr. Evans, our second corner okay. selected. He is doing decently in camp. Watch some film of him shut down KJ Osborne today and piss off KJ Osborne. He was <laughs> on his hip like glue. I was quite impressed. It was pretty good. I hope he steps up, you know, and it would be good to have him make that cornerback depth. I sp- he'll make the team one way or another. It would be a practice squad or active 53. But if he shines here in the preseason, not that he's going to compete for a starting job. We've already talked about that. But if he becomes a backup, he has a very well good chance to win Mr. Mankato. It's, and this competition lasts all the way through, I think, the pre, third preseason game. And we'll see how these young guys do. And you're right. I think it's I think it's round four and below, and it's first or second year guys are eligible to win it. So mm-hmm. that's my pick so far. You like Naylor. I like Evans. We'll see who it turns out to really be. Absolutely, and the best part is we've still got a couple weeks left before the Mr. Mankato is officially, unofficially crowned. With that, Dave, 
Hold on. I like Donnie's suggestion right here. Mr. Mankato should be called the make, make it official and call it the John Randall Award. I love that. I love that. It's uh, a great idea. That, I'll tell you what, Game Changer 16. That is something that um, you post it on Twitter, shoot me a DM, I will help you try and promote it, and we'll we'll see if, if we can get some traction with the media because honestly, this is a media award. And it's really, and it, I think the backstory there is really cool, and it could give some extra context to it, especially with Mankato no longer being the training camp home in the Minnesota Vikings. Let's see what we can do there. But Dave, that's our show tonight. Um, I do have an announcement for the good people. Uh, next week there will be no live show. Um, I am going to be celebrating my second anniversary with my wife, uh, who is wonderful and uh, allows me to continue to do this show. Um, so we're going to be out celebrating, but Dave and I will have something that will debut live at eight o'clock on Monday night. So you will not miss the show. It, it just will not be live and we will not be able to interact with you guys, uh, the best audience in the world. So just, I wanted to at least put that out there now. So there's no surprise next week. We will still have a great show for you talking about Vikings training camp and how things are evolving with this franchise as we head to week one against the Green Bay Packers. Mm-hmm. And we might even mention the Hall of Fame game, which is this Thursday. Ooh, Dave, you know I'm going to have that on. I've got my two monitors in front of me, <laughs> and if I'm working, one of them's going to be on that football game. Yeah, everybody will watch the first 15 minutes and go, oh, it's just the Hall of Fame game. All right, now we're <laughs> off to something else. But it's, it's live football. football. Yep, it's yeah, real and- football. And I'll tell you this, if you don't watch the CFL, this is your first live football. But if you watch the CFL like I do, you saw former Viking great McLeod Bethel Thompson pass for over 10,000 career passing yards for the Toronto Argonauts yesterday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. Really cool. And he becomes uh, the, I think it was the fifth Argonaut to ever eclipse that number, which is really cool. That is cool. Dave. What do we got on the network? Because I know we have a great show lined up from the guys at Vikings Happy Hour on Wednesday. Yes, that we do. The question is, do we have Flip Mozzie and Eric Thompson ready for Viking Hot Takes tomorrow night, Tuesday night, on their new night? I do not know that yet. I've been talking with Flip on and off. We're going to be reworking that roll-in. First it was too long, then it was too short. We're going to make it just about right. We'll go find that Goldilocks zone. Perfect. I'll let you know tomorrow. If you keep an eye on Twitter and Facebook, you'll see the normal promos at the regular times if we do have a show. If not, Vikings Happy Hour on Wednesday, we have a special guest that's going to be joining the now three-man crew. We have Matt Anderson. We have... Ryan Ortega, Sports Guy Rye, and now joining the squad as a permanent member, Mr. Miles Gorham. They're going to be starting as of Wednesday, and they have a special guest. One guaranteed to cause a little controversy on his Viking stakes, so it should be wild. Thursday, uh, there's no plans yet. I mentioned it before. Kindred Skulls will be coming to the channel. Don't know when that's going to start yet. We have not 
formally hashed out how that's going to happen, how it's going to be produced, and how it's going to go. Saturday, you get me and Darren as your two old bloggers once again, and we'll start this all over. Yep. And the nice part, Dave, is we're going to still figure out how we're going to rock that pregame show. There will be some fun stuff coming, and especially from a betting perspective, which is the fastest-growing segment in sports today. We're going to be talking betting lines every week, and we're going to keep track of how good or bad I do, which is going to be really fun. In the (laughs) meantime, thank, thank you very much for joining us here today on this episode of The Real Forno Show. We greatly appreciate your time. Please make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. We're nearing 2,000 subscribers Mm -hmm. and would love to get there. Makes a massive difference for us. You guys, Mm -hmm. it it really does, and it's greatly appreciated. In the meantime, I want to say thank you to our partners at Lake Monster Brewing, some of the best beer that Dave and I have ever had, and they are tremendous people. I recommend you go experience their tap room. They have a fantastic tap list, including the new Rare Species 3.0 that just dropped and a strawberry rhubarb beer. I love strawberry rhubarb, and they do a fantastic job. In the meantime, from Dave, from myself, have yourself a great day, and skull. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.